It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday morning, everybody, and welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric Kane with Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, and Matt Ray. This is the crew today, and a special shout-out to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. For a free estimate, give them a call today at 865-524-5888. Thanks so much for subscribing to the BallQuest YouTube channel and uh, for listening to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you haven't already subscribed to uh, BallQuest.com, go ahead and do it. The best recruiting information, the best team news, all on Tennessee football, basketball, baseball, whatever you guys want, it is over at BallQuest.com. Got a whole lot of questions to uh, get into, and we'll go ahead and start. We'll start with Pine. What does Joe Milton do better than Hendon Hooker? And what side of the line of scrimmage is the strength right now, left or the right, Brent Hubbs? Uh, I mean, I, Joe Milton's obviously got a better arm. I mean, it's and I mean that's an arm like we've not seen, um, you know, in, in any of our time. I mean, he can he can throw late and get away with it. Um, I, I think that's something that's a little bit unique and different than than what Hendon Hooker c- can do. Um, you know, Joe's bigger in stature. Um, can he take a hit better? I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Hendon was, I think Hendon's escapability was better. Um, and, and obviously, you know, Joe's got to go out and prove the production, but I, I think from a physical standpoint, Joe can do, you know, anything he wants to do with the exception of the sca- escapability. I don't think he has Hendon's ability to, um, make a play as, as, as easily, um, as Hendon did when things completely break down. Let's go to Athrun. He's got a couple of uh, questions here. We'll start with a recruiting one for, for Matt. Does Iffy to Oregon mean anything to Tennessee? Yeah, you know, I mean, Tennessee liked Iffy. Um, they recruited Iffy pretty heavily, but it was always going to be Tennessee or Oregon, it felt like, for the last month and a half, two months. Um, you know, and, and I don't think Tennessee will quit recruiting Iffy, but there's other guys on the board. You know, they're – they're sitting well at cornerback, I think, early on with Marcus Gorey and Caleb Beasley, you know, firmly committed. So, you know, there's a ways to go at that position. They're, they're working on a couple of flip targets. They've offered a couple of more guys. Um, they'll evaluate Jalen Crawford at Parkview um, later in the month. So, that's, you know, is that a direction they choose to go? They've been involved somewhat in that recruitment but haven't, you know, pushed all the way in yet. So, we'll see. But I think, you know, they're still okay at the cornerback position right now despite if he coming off the board to you know, I think they're trying to get if yeah. if they do end up getting uh, Boo Carter as well. You know, I, I don't see Boo playing corner. Okay. I see Boo. I see Boo playing more of a safety. Um, so you know, with that, I don't. I don't think that changes anything if they get Boo Carter. And honestly, I think you just put Boo Carter where where he fits. Is, is that on the offensive side of the football? Is it at, at safety? Can he play? You know, nickel corner maybe. I don't know, but. I don't think that affects what they're going to try to do at the cornerback position. 
Rob Lewis, who are the main ball handlers at the beginning of the season while Zakai Ziegler is getting up to speed? I mean, I think it's a lot of what we saw last year. I, mean, I think Santi would be probably your primary guy. I think Meshack, even though you know he's far from being a natural point guard, he handled the ball a, a lot You know, in, in that stretch after Zakai went down. I think you'll see Freddie Dillon do, do a lot of that. Now, Freddie's not a classic point guard, but uh, the two or three times I saw him play in high school or in the summer, uh, with his travel team, he was always his team's primary ball handler. Now he's, you know, he's more of a scorer in that role, but he's he's an able and willing passer. Uh, but I would say Santi primarily, a little dose of Jamai, and you know, probably Freddie, if depending on where the trust level with the staff is from him. But you know, having gotten here at midterm, been been in the program for you know almost a whole year by the time practice you know, November rolls around next year, I think those would be your three primary guys. Anything fun to share from the Big Orange Caravan? I know both you guys went to, to the different stops. Anything that has, has been mentioned by the Big Orange Caravan, Brent? No. I mean, turnout was good. A lot of excitement for, from people. But, um, you know, those are um, – I mean, Rick Barnes making fun of Bob Kessling and putting Josh Heupel on the spot in Chattanooga. Josh was – I will say this. Josh was pretty uncomfortable, I think, when, when Rick Barnes asked him how many games he was going to win next year uh, in front of everybody. And uh, if he was going to make beating Alabama a regular thing, um, you know, which if you answer that the right way, uh, it gets everybody fired up, but it ends up on social media somewhere that you've called out Nick Saban in Alabama. So I don't um, – I think Josh Heupel and Kelly Harper, uh, when they got to Chattanooga, had their guard up pretty good for, for what might be coming from, from the Reverend Rick Barnes because – when he gets in that in that room, Rob, and 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 the tents are up, it's it's college uh, athletics revival time for Rick Barnes, and he was he was selling some magic elixir, if you will, for for the Tennessee fans out there. And you're in a no win situation if you're hypo, because if you fire back with you know, you, you can't embarrass Rick, you know, in, in that kind of you know, if you if you ask him how many times he's going to beat Kentucky, he's like you know, every time we play him, you know, <laughs> there's no there's no there's, right. there's no comeback. Yeah, at one point Kelly Harper was like, "Just don't ask me anything." Like she was, <laughs> like, she was just like, "Let Coach Barnes just keep talking to Coach Eipel. I'm good right here." Well, just, I think what, I think what a lot of people see is Kelly probably gets that every day. Every day, just, just she... not a, just not in front of an audience. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Last one here for Math Run. Is it fair to call this year's baseball team a disappointment? I don't think that's fair. I mean, Tennessee's a, you know, it's turned it around. It's got a 500 record in SEC play. I understand. Uh, I think what is disappointing, um, starting pitching, not uh, taking a, a pr pretty steep. I don't know if I'd say pretty steep. They have not pitched up to what they were last year or in that area code, in my opinion, because we know that these starting pitchers are, you know, with, with Dolander and Burns. And of course, Burns made a move to the bullpen. We know that they have another level. They hadn't been horrible. I think Dolander's done a lot of good things this year. I think Burns is adapting really well in the bullpen. Beams had two really bad starts, but I think starting pitching at times has been disappointing. I think Tennessee on the road has been disappointing for sure. But the season overall, no, because you were placing literally every starter. Um, you know, that was a record setting and breaking team a season ago that, oh, yeah, if you just looked. Drew Gilbert's the number one overall prospect for the Houston Astros, and he just got called up to Double A. Um, you know, Beck or uh, yeah, Jordan Beck got a an award. About about seven of those guys got awards the other day in minor league camp. So disappointing year, no. But you'd like to be better on the road, and of course, you need to finish out strong. Uh, you know, heading into the the Hoover week of the SEC tournament.
Let's go to LVOL, LFVOL. Are there any rumblings about how the SEC can juice the TV deal back up to the top? Or is it inevitable that the Big Ten will retain the top spot given their larger markets? I mean, I don't know where the financials are. I think the SEC is well compensated uh, with this new TV deal. Um, you know, CBS was getting the SEC at a bargain for a long time. And um, I, I think I think the SEC answered that call with their new deal with, with ESPN. Um, I, I don't know exactly what the parameters are. I mean, there, there's always going to be bigger markets in the Big Ten uh, when you look at some of the cities that are involved there. But uh, I don't think anybody in the SEC's uh, bothered by their current TV deal. I think they feel pretty good about wh- where they're at, and um, the Big Ten and the SEC are, are running away with, with that with that financial um, purse compared to the ACC. I mean, look, look at what Clemson and Florida State are squawking about in the ACC because their deals aren't very good, and they're they're the one carrying the freight for them. The the Pac-12 can't get a deal done at this point. They may be on YouTube. I mean, they may be, they may be they may be on a streaming network when it's all said and done. Um, and, and the Big 12 is, is introducing all kinds of things to try to spice up their coverage with, you know, locker room access, in-game interviews with coaches and players, and I don't know what all they're talking about doing with that deal. So I, I think the Big Ten and the SEC, Rob, feel pretty good about where they are right yeah, now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm speaking out of ignorance here, you know, believe it or not. But what, and, I, and I've read just a little bit about this, but I wonder how much also the SEC's deal is sweetened from their standpoint by how much autonomy they have with the network, you know, with the SEC network and, you know, kind of, you know, flexibility to do their own thing, you know, still under the ESPN umbrella. But I, I think – reading some things, I think the SEC has a pretty good amount of control for for that level of contract. And and I'll say this, too. I mean, the Big Ten does well. I mean, for anybody that suggests that the Big Ten network is not successful, I mean, that network has done well in those markets up there. Um, And and the Big Ten is is certainly has a good TV deal. I don't don't know that one is super jealous of the other, but I know the rest of the country is jealous of both of them. and, and it just makes sense to me. I mean, the only, you know, what, you know, market that rivals Chicago is Atlanta, you know, in the, in the SEC footprint. And then you've got, you know, Detroit, I don't know if you, what you really count Rutgers as, but you know, they, they, I'm sure they draw some eyeballs there. The, you know, Maryland, you got DC, Baltimore. I mean, I, I, I think for the, for the population base for the SEC is compared to the big 10, I, I bet the, the dollars per eyeball, that they get, I, I bet is, is way skewed in the SEC's favor. Nashville 615, which recruits on Tennessee's board will receive the most NIL attention? Matt Ray from other schools in this day and age, does every recruit expect an NIL package? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I, I think, you know, you go in with the expectation that you're going to get something, you know, along the way. You're not just going to to go. Um, but as far as which recruits are going to get the most attention, I mean, I think you look, you know, along the, along the ratings, you know, and you also have to look at which States early on, you know, you can have that, you know, conversation with guys at the high school level, but coming in, you know, um, once, once guys get to campus, you know, I would say the five stars, Williams, one Mike Matthews, Ron Wingo, those guys are going to get a lot of NIL attention. You know, I think it's generally the ones you would expect. I think it's also position related too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's 
quarterbacks. It's guys who can protect the quarterback on the edge. It's guys who can rush the quarterback off the edge uh, and play on the defensive line. That's much, much the same way those guys in the NFL are making a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Yep. He's going to make the money in college football for the most part. I was going to say, think about who gets paid in the National Football League, and that's it's going to trickle down. Now, there's some exceptions. I'll say this, too. I mean, I think in a case like Tennessee, um, this is not necessarily in recruiting, but just on their team, I think the center position at Tennessee, for example, might yield more NIL opportunities or NIL money than maybe the center at Georgia or somewhere else, just because of what they ask the center to do in the offense. And so you have some exceptions that way. Uh, but for the most part, I think you, you follow the NFL dollars and the NFL draft and, and where the prizes are, are, are the guys who can get to the quarterback guys who can protect the quarterbacks and the quarterbacks. Sam Smith, twenty-two thirty-three. the Kentucky team has the number one RPI in the country, but they like to play small ball uh, with bunts and steals with, will that style work at Lindsey Nelson stadium in mid May? I guarantee you that they're just going to try to get on base. And when they get on base, they're 100% going to try to steal because that's what every team in America should do against Tennessee. Because the, the pitchers are so slow to the plate and they've not had success, you know, pitcher and catcher. It's not just the catcher uh, throwing out many base runners, albeit, you know, Stark was able to pick somebody off Georgia and throw somebody out as well in the same game. So, yeah, uh, if, you know, Kentucky's going to try to play their game for sure. Any concerns about Chase Burns and soreness? Sounds like he's going to be okay. Re, uh, Tony Vitello reiterated earlier this week that he would be available and ready to go this weekend. Um, but anytime you're towards the end of the season and you know someone misses a weekend due to soreness, uh, it doesn't make you feel great, especially with how well Chase Burns uh, was pitching. Two weeks off for Chase Burns, is that going to help him be fresh for the stretch or are you worried about the rust? I think more than anything that would help him be fresh uh, because he'll, he'll need to be relied on this weekend. Next weekend in South Carolina, he's got to he's got to eat some innings a little bit. And, and Hoover, and what a weapon it is to have him in Hoover when you know potentially he could be called upon to to open a game for three or four innings or or whatever. So um, I think it'll help him. I think for sure, you know, having this time off, letting the arm rest a little bit is going to help him because it's a, a critical point in time in the season. The Rocky Top T says so much fuss about right tackle. JJ Crawford and Dane Davis have played it before. Brent. If Gerald Mincy doesn't want it, he can back up John Campbell at the left tackle. Problem solved. What's your thoughts on that? Well, the other two have got to prove they can do it. Snap in and snap out and be the best guys out there. Um, I, I like Dane Davis. I think Dane Davis is a is a great guy, and uh, I think he has probably exceeded everybody's expectations in terms of how much he's played at Tennessee. But um, he, he didn't win a job, you know, on the left side. Um, you know, they went and got Gerald Mincy. Um, J.J. Crawford to build depth, and, and those two guys played over him on the left side. So uh, it's a matter about going and, and winning it. If I'm Gerald Mincy and I want to play, then, then I'm going to buy into being the right being the right tackle uh, and go compete for the right tackle job. Uh, I, you know, my guess is right tackle is going to end up being right tackle by committee but when it's all said and done. Um, but, you know, that, that's what August is for, and, and, and we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, you know, it's going to be one of those guys. There's no, there's no other options out there. So they're going to line up with one of them, and, and we'll see how, how those guys perform and, and how well they can uh, hold up and how much help they have to have and all those things. I, I, don't, I don't know that everybody grasps the luxury that they had last year with Darnell on the right side. You just did not have to worry about that side. Um, and it, just wasn't, it just wasn't a concern because he was always there and he played so well. So 
um, you know, they'll, they'll have to help them. There'll be some growing pains for both the tackle positions. And uh, one of the things last year, you know, to help protect the left tackle position was Hendon Hooker's ability to get out of trouble. And we'll see how Joe, what's the compensation for that, for this offense? You know, um, Matt, Robert, is, is that throwing to the tailback out of the backfield with a safety valve? What do they do to create um, so, some help on the left side? Is that just bring a, a tight end over or, or is there more safety valve? What do they do to compensate for the lack of escapability? And I'm not saying Joe can't get out of the way. I don't mean that. But I don't know that he's how many Houdini plays he's going to have like Hendon Hooker had a year ago. Yeah, and it wasn't just the escapability. I mean, what is the, the catchphrase that all the draft guys use? It was ability. It was Hendon's ability to make plays out of structure. I mean, it wasn't necessarily scrambling for 20 yards, but, you know, getting out, you know, keeping a play alive for two or three seconds and, and finding somebody. And that it, well, I mean, I, I, it's hard to say Hendon was underappreciated, but I think one of the things he did was excellent at was, you know, not necessarily scrambling, but getting out of the pocket, but keeping his eyes downfield. And I think that's going to be a big, big test for Joe when stuff starts breaking down. How What's his poise like? Because Hendon was great at that. Let's go to VA Vol 20 of the blue chip prospects. Matt, Tennessee is in on. Who is your one pick on each side of the football for them to land? Um, you mean, am I, am I picking this personally? Like if, if it was my pick, they could have one. Or I think that's what the question wants. Yeah. Okay. I read, that. I read that question before and I was like, am I picking this personally or not? Okay. So if it was me picking Tennessee, to, do, you know, do it both. Hey, do it both. Okay. And add, add percentages. Yeah. <laughs> we got lots we can do, Matt. If, if I could pick one to add to the defensive side of football, um, I'd pick Williams one airy. Um, the guy's just a freak. Um, and he only has so much more room to grow into his frame. And I mean, this, uh, they haven't made a defensive lineman at the high school level like him in a little bit. Um, and then, you know, I've been pretty open about this. I think the whole way through um, one of my favorite prospects in the class on the offensive side of the football and, and the class in general continues to be Mike Matthews. Um, so I, I would pick those two if I was picking Um Blue blue chip prospects to land, um, you know, as far as chances go right now. Um, you know, I like, I still like where Tennessee sits with Mike Matthews. There's a way to go in that one, but I do think the Vols have some, you know, staying power there. Uh, I think they're right at the top, if not the team to beat today. Um, so we'll see going into official visits. Those will be important. Um, and then, you know, I think right now, I, you know, they have some momentum with Williams one area, but looking long term, I think the blue chippers on the defensive side of the football, I'd pick Cam Franklin right now. Um, I like where Tennessee's been with him for a while. I like the relationship with Rodney Garner. He continues to get to campus. He'll be back for an official visit in June. I think the Vols are doing a lot of good things there right now. We got plenty more questions to get into, so uh, we'll hit on that in just a second. But first, a proud uh, word, a word from our proud sponsors that is Exterior Home Solutions. You know, life happens, and damage to your home can be extremely stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family, but community. And they're who I call when life happens, and you should too. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Brent, I don't know how that happens, man. Even when he's not here, we can't escape him. I, I just assume you like playing that spot, so I'm going to put that on you, my man. I, that is the only spot that I have. I don't have the one of you. But... Then, that, then that's on you, my man. As the executive producer of the uh, VolQuest.com podcast, then that's on you. Is what, he, Rob? Is he shooting? Is he is he reshooting from the sixth tee at Pebble? Are we going to have that up next week? He's he's probably in a sand trap somewhere or in a cross bunker somewhere playing. Who knows what golf course he's playing after playing uh, whatever's on his bucket list to knock off the, this week. And I'm sure he's got another one scheduled next month as well. I, <clears throat> Living a dream. I do. I do need to get the one of you on there. Of course, that's the only one that he sent me, I believe, back in the day. Stunned. <laughs> Rob, let's go uh, to you Rocky Bob. I'm, I'm on top of a roof, and it was an adventure getting up and getting up there and getting down there. So there was a moment where I went, Oh, my hips not completely healed at this point in time. This was not the greatest idea in the world. Two Rocky by far wants to know, does Roman Harrison have the length and athleticism to be one of the guys that blossom during blossoms during his senior year? He seems to have a motor, but has been recruited over athletically. Uh, there's some truth into that, Rob. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he has the length. I mean, and you know, at this point in his career, there there are some exceptions to the rule, but I mean, I think if you're looking for him to take a huge leap, I mean, I, I think that's wishful thinking, but I mean, I think he can be, you know, a very productive player and, you know, very solid part of the rotation, but you know, I'm not looking for him to just explode after he's been here five years. Brent, they yeah, play, think... they play with, um, you know, two Leos on the field so much. It feels like that there would be some games where Byron Young would have, you know, 50 snaps or whatever. And, and, Harrison would have 43. It, it was almost a 50-50, but they also played on the field at the same time in situations. So I feel like that's you know, Roman Harrison and Pierce, Roman Harrison, Joshua Josephs, Caleb Herring. He, he's going to get his fair share. Oh, there's no question. I mean, you know, he, he's going to be out there. I think he'd be the starter, uh, one of the starters. If they were playing today, I think he would start at Leo and Tyler Barron would start on the other side at, at defensive end. And then they get in their pass rush situation, they bring two Leos in. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think at this point, Roman is what he is, um, physically, I, I think Roman's productive, um, former linebacker turned nose guard turned defensive end is the, is the path for Roman Harrison. And, um, you know, he doesn't have great bend. He doesn't have great length, but he does have a high motor. Um, he, he's played physical and I, and I think Rodney Garner is kind of maximizing a lot of what Roman Harrison has from a skill set standpoint. And I would expect that to continue. I thought Roman had a solid year last year. It wasn't great. It wasn't Byron Young, but he had a good number of quarterback pressures. 
uh, some tackles for loss. I, I thought he played pretty well for Tennessee on the opposite side. 19 ball 70 wants to know, Hey, it's been three weeks since the NCAA hearing. Has there been any change in the vibes inside the UT athletic department regarding a possible outcome over the last three weeks? No, I mean, I don't have any new vibes. Um, you know, I don't know that there would be any communication to yield a whole lot of, of new vibes or anything like that. Um, you know, theoretically, they could get an answer any day now. Um, I think it's going to be the end of this month, first part of June, before that happens. But in theory, it could come at any point. Um, but, no, I, I don't think Tennessee suddenly has a bad vibe. I think they they left Cincinnati feeling like that, um, you know, for, for having to go into one of those things, it was a well, about as well as could be expected. Nobody wants to be a part of those. But um, I, I think overall they felt like it was a pretty solid, you know, it, it went okay. Uh, is the best way to describe that. Hitter wants to know, Matt, what's up with Camarion Fountain? Felt like Tennessee was deep into that one, but haven't heard his name mentioned in a while, including recent war rooms. Yeah, I mean, Cam Fountain's been kind of quiet since, you know, early April. He took a visit to South Carolina. He was supposed to be back to Tennessee for the spring game, but travel didn't really work out. Um, so he didn't make that trip. Uh, he He's a guy that's, you know, new offers are coming in for him. He's kind of soaking those in and, and – developing his travel plans. Tennessee's been in a good spot with, with him for a while, you know, dating back to the winter. They had some real momentum there, it felt like. I mean, he's supposed to take an official visit in June, and we'll see if he makes his way into town, you know, later this month. He hasn't confirmed that um, with me yet, but we'll see if he ends up here. But, you know, I think Tennessee's got a chance to, to grab, you know, the, that momentum back, even if it is just on the official visit. He has a longstanding relationship with Rodney Garner. And, and the Tennessee staff, I mean, they were almost nine or ten months ahead of everybody else with offer number one, you know. So, obviously, that is something that meant a lot to him. Um, but other schools are swinging. You know, I think the last time we mentioned him in the war room, we mentioned, you know, heading into that South Carolina visit that they were a team that's pushing hard, and there's been other new offers come in. So, um, that is a guy I need to catch up with, but I'll get you some more on Cam Fountain in, in the coming week. Let's go to Dell Vol 24. Um, at what position groups do you think Tennessee is at championship contender levels? What groups still need some work? Rob, I, I don't want to sound it. I don't. I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer when I say this, but I, I would say no positions right now, right? And, and that's no slouch to Tennessee. But you know, I just I, I think you had a championship level quarterback last year. I don't. We haven't seen Joe Milton play consistently in two years. The offensive line needs some work. Defensive line needs to get better. Linebacker, I mean, you've gotten better all across the board, in my opinion, but I wouldn't say that there are championship levels right now. I mean, the closest one, I mean, might be receiver, to be honest. Do you see this any differently? No, not at all, and I don't think that's a slam. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about championship level in this league, you're talking about having a bunch of high-round high draft picks. I mean, mm -hmm. championship level at quarterback in this league means that you're a first-round quarterback and – probably went to New York for, for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. You know, same at, at receiver. So, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Tennessee's at championship level anywhere. But, again, that's – you know, you're talking – like I said, that's that's not a knock. I mean, you're talking about a bunch of first-round draft picks in a position group when you're talking about championship level in the SEC. And that can change. I mean, that can change throughout the season. Of course, it changed last year. Hendon yeah, I mean, Hooker put himself in that conversation. Darnell Wright and – we didn't think we didn't think like Tennessee that. had a Blitnikoff winner on on the roster last spring. I mean, so you know, let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, and and it, and it gets back so much to the quarterback position. I mean, you know that that's where 
that's where a championship that, that's where that conversation takes place right i mean where, where's alabama without bryce young you know they weren't a championship level team across the board yet with bryce young they put themselves in a situation that, that now that, i mean jameer gibbs a first round draft pick i know i mean if somebody's gonna go wait a minute they had two first round picks um but, but the quarterback was the catalyst that made them go uh, georgia was obviously loaded and has been i mean that, that's the team everybody's chasing and everybody's trying to catch um, aside from that, I don't know how many, I don't know how many teams in this conference you would say has quote championship positions. Um, but it, it's all about what you develop as a team. Uh, and, and for me, particularly offensively, it's about what your quarterback does. It's hard to win in this league without good quarterback play. I just, Matt, there's just nobody doing it without good quarterback play in this league. If you're bad at quarterback, you're not going to have a very good year. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, um, you know, I, I think you look back, across the time frame, even when, you know, Alabama was starting their run years ago under Nick Saban, the quarterback play was a hindrance at times. You know, they had the great defense and everything. So you have to have quarterback play in this league. And, um, you know, I think that continues. Um, Stetson Bennett was what he was for Georgia, but he played at a championship caliber at times. And he got better. Yeah, he, he got better, you know, as his career went on. And he played at a high level, high enough to, you know, become a draft pick. So, yeah, I think that now more so than ever is is the position that drives things. This is a fun question to ask. Uh, NWG Aval wants to know, based on physical traits, does a wide receiver trio of Squirrel White, Dante Thornton, and Brew McCoy have the potential to be the best wide receiver group yet? Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, Brew McCoy, uh, they, they would have been hard to beat, but we rarely saw that group because of the injury. Of course, the the combination of White, Thornton, and Brew, that can happen. That's not the set starting trio. I mean, Keaton's going to be in there somewhere, right? Um, but as far as wide receivers, Brent, does this maybe that this trio or this top four have the you know the potential to be the best one that Heupel's had here at Tennessee? Well, uh, here comes my wet blanket. Let me see Dante Thornton first. I mean, you know, I, I just I haven't I haven't seen enough to to know. I mean, physically, he's I mean. What little bit he did at Oregon, right? The, the speed, the deep ball, those things, you know, jumped out, uh, stands out. Uh, you talk to anybody on campus, he's athletically got all kinds of gifts and, and those types of things. So, uh, you know, I just want to see it translate in, in onto, the, onto the field, you know. How is, if you're going to go that route, you know, can he win press man coverage on the outside? You know, because at the slot, he's going to get a free release. You know, I mean, Jalen Hyatt was a much better slot player than he was outside receiver because Jalen Hyatt got free releases in the slot, you know, and, and didn't have to, to physically win a lot of man coverage out there, bump and run type stuff. So, you know, how, how does Dante Thornton handle that? Um, Rob, I love Squirrel White. I just can Squirrel White physically do it for 12 games at 170 pounds across the middle of the football field? That That's and look, only time's going to tell. I'm not saying he can't. I just wonder if physically he can do that game in and game out because um, he's not very big. Well, that's fair. To, uh, that is a great question. But I would, you know, and and the the, the guy you know mentioned this in his question. But I, if if Tillman's healthy, you know, which he was not, and you know him him and Hyatt, we never saw them, you know, hitting on all cylinders together on the field. But I I would take you know the th- the three from last year. But you have to throw in the caveat. Is is Cedric healthy? And you know if he is, then I, I would have to go with that group. Hey, eighteen targets, 
13 targets playing on one side of the field at Pittsburgh this year. That's that's about say, Pitt, Pitt was the only time, I think. The only game, we, just one game. You really had a chance to see that. Yeah. And, 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 and listen, go ahead, Rob. I'm just Sorry. saying, it dropped, it dropped, you know, a touchdown pass that he never drops. Yeah. You know, in that, in that game, it, it, extremely uncharacteristic. His numbers would have been, you know, even bigger. I, I want to see what Brew McCoy looks like in year two in this system, too. I mean, I, I think there were times where you, you kind of wondered in games, like, where's Brew? Like, they've kind of gotten away from Brew McCoy. I mean, it, it was, for whatever reason, didn't seem like – there were stretches where you just felt like, hey, big play here, they can go to Brew McCoy. But, but I mean, it was Jalen Hyatt because Jalen Hyatt was open. I, I think Brew McCoy is set to have a big year. I, I'll be surprised if Brew McCoy does not have a really big year for Tennessee. Year two in the system, I think he's going to be healthier. I know he had the elbow deal, but the hip's going to be better. Um, I, I think he's a guy who can really take off in year two in the system. And by, by game five or six, to answer the, his question, uh, we may have very, you know, we may have a different answer. It may be, you know, they may be rocking and rolling. But again, part of that's your quarterback play. Can the quarterback get him the ball? Because we know this, Josh Heupel is going to get some people open. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what the nameplate says on the back of the jersey. Somebody's going to be open. Um, in, in the passing game in Josh Heupel's system. I just I, – I totally believe that. I don't think anybody's solved that mystery yet. We got three more questions to answer. We'll go to Taste Like 865. With the recent commitment of Kellen Lindstrom and other Missouri prospects in recent memory, has Tennessee ever had this much success recruiting that state? Um, this might be one for Matt and, and really all three of you guys to kind of tag team. Um, who was the most famous volunteer player from – football player from the state of Missouri uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that Brandon Rob know the answer to this because I looked I did some research into this question I looked back to 2005 through the recruiting rankings and didn't see anybody that had signed with Tennessee from 2005 to present um, I might have glanced over somebody um, and then I looked back from you know, 2005 back to 1998 or 1997 on the roster and didn't see anybody from Missouri. So I, I don't know the answer to that one. I may have to uh, may have to grab Javante Spragans, who's an Illinois kid from East St. Louis, and, and count him in there. <laughs> that, that's the only one I know of. I mean. I'm sure Hubbard's got something. Should we call I, Bud Ford? I, I can't come up with one, Hubbard. I mean, I, I can't imagine you don't have one. Where was Alan Cockrell from? No, oh, that could be it. I'm just wondering aloud. We're, we're all three looking it up. <laughs> um, Tennessee's not recruited there. I remember this is going to date me a little bit. Joplin, Missouri, Hubbard. Joplin, Missouri. Missouri. That may be the most famous one right there is, is Alan Cockrell, who if he hadn't had the knee injury – would have been interesting to see what would have, would have happened with him. Obviously, went on for a long baseball career. I remember, I guess it was, was it Chase Daniel, Rob? Philip Fulmer went, this was back when I mean, that, head coaches could go out on the road in spring evals. And I remember Philip Fulmer going to a high school in Missouri to see a quarterback. And I don't remember if that was Chase Daniel or who it was. But that was a big deal because Tennessee didn't venture into Missouri very often. Uh, there was some quarterback from – Missouri that, that Philip Fulmer went to see, but um, now Tennessee's not made a ton of hay uh, in in the state of Missouri through the years. Hubbard, I've got the, I've got the media guide in front of me. Jeff Tullis, okay, Alan Cockrell, 
Okay. Oh, however, here 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 he is, Deron Jenkins. Oh yeah. All right, I missed that one. Total win. Sorry, Deron. Wow. Don't, Scott Five. While you build your million dollar homes and and do all your home and garden things out in in Nashville. Um, so there hasn't been any until Spragans. None until who's from you know across the river, but. Not since the the mid nineties, Deron Jenkins and uh, Scott Pfeiffer. Does the pro does the program or media guy break down every player from every state that's ever played at Tennessee? Oh my gosh, Hover! Could you imagine Georgia and Florida? Hover, what are we going to do with him? I don't know. They break I mean, those okay. cities. They go. I'm they go okay. cities as well. I'm a, don't go back. I was talking to the internet, man. Dude, wow. I, I look. I look at the media guy for specific things that I need, but I'm not you, wasting seven years. You know what, Eric, hey, hey, Rob, you, you know what Eric Kane needs. He needs a summer internship with Bud Ford, yep. like Justin Mine had. had. That would include a couple of things. One, you would work on the history book. Two, you would clean out underneath his house and do some landscaping work. Um, who knows what else you would have to do for Bud you'd Ford to, and Halls? You'd have to. Or, you need a summer intern with with Harris D. Bud Ford. You have to organize the, the cross cross country stats for 1958 that season. Yeah, let me just say, anything that Dustin Mine did, I'm not going to fall in his footsteps. <laughs> so you can forget that. Shout out Deron, to this Deron Jenkins, by the way, wore 18 at Tennessee. That's why Peyton Manning ended up at 16. Let's see here. Two more. Josh, this is from JVall865. Josh Hobbles had a top 10 offense in the country almost, if not every single year. He's been either an offensive coordinator or head coach. If he continues that trend next season, does Tennessee win nine regular season games? Yes. 100%. I would agree as well. Uh, last one. This is a good one. Uh, comments all around. I Fort hope Loud it's better Ball than says, the geography question. <laughs> that was not a dumb question. No, it wasn't. It was, we just didn't have an answer. I mean, it was like, uh, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. so no, all right, last one. Question. At what position group do you believe the football team currently has the biggest drop off from starter to backup? It's got to be tied in, right? I mean, I don't know where McCollin Castles is, um, you know, c- compared to, to Jacob Warren. I mean, Jacob Warren's got experience, but I don't know. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know how big of a drop off that that you have. At Maybe that, center. It, uh, yeah, I mean, I think center's just a. You don't even know who that's going to be. Is that, I mean, Addison Nichols would be your center who's never played it in a game. Yeah. Other than a scrimmage, so I mean, I, I would certainly say center. Um, would jump out on the offensive line. I think they can they can find enough guards. They got enough to, to make that there, and they're unproven at one of the guard spots. Um, unproven in, at the you know at the the defensive end positions. Um, you know, I think it's interesting at linebacker for me because they have a ton of talent there, Matt. When you look at the young guys, but there is such a drop off in experience when you're talking about going from. Aaron Beasley to Arian Carter. Yep. That, that's, I mean, now look, talent-wise, I'm not saying there's a drop-off there, but if you're talking and you throw the experience factor in there, you know, there's a lot of learning on the job, you know, fr- from that standpoint. And the same would be said at the quarterback position, but from a talent standpoint, I don't think anybody sees drop-off from, from a talent standpoint at those positions. Yeah, I, I'd probably go with – I'd probably go with center, too. I mean, just – just because you don't know, you know, who it's going to be yet. And like, I think I'm, I'm with Brian. I think it's going to be Addison Nichols, but he hasn't played it in a game. Um, he definitely has the, you know, IQ level to be, 
you know, do everything they need from, from that standpoint. Um, four point, you know, greater than four point oh GBA in high school. Eagle Scout did all those things. So he can he can understand what they're asking him to do, but he you know just hasn't played it in a football game. Maybe it's right guard just simply the left guard. It's it's being the biggest drop off because like I mean seriously, like you don't know who your left guard is. Javante Sprague is gonna play every single down he's healthy for, right? I mean, yeah, that and, might be the answer. And it's unlike at the tackle spots. I mean, your backups, I mean, just Jackson Lampley's played a little, but outside of that, you just yeah. you know, you just don't have anybody who's who's been out there when, when the bullets are flying. So I yeah. and, and we'll see how we'll see how Andre Couric, you know, adapts to this offense and, and what that Ollie. what that looks like and um all, all of that. Uh, I mean, I think there's a drop off there, certainly without Jerome Carvin. That's a big step from, from a year ago. I, I think Carvin was a bit underappreciated. Here's one nobody's going to talk about, too. Does anybody know who the backup punter is on this team? Um, the dude from Catholic. No, he's a kicker. Never mind. No, he's so, not. He's a punter. Uh, D- Tuberville. Okay. I think. I mean, I, I would say they probably won't, don't want Jackson Ross to roll his ankle or pull a <laughs> hamstring at this point in time. True. I, tip, typically, no one knows who the backup hunter is, usually, anyway. But yeah, but I mean, I, I'm with you. At least you you kind of know some kickers that are on roster. But well, I would take center because Cooper's so established, and it's that's such an important position to make this offense go. And you don't have anybody behind him who's played snaps in a game at the center position. So I'm going to go with the center position to answer that question. I think that's a good one. And that's it here for this edition of the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast presented by Exterior Home Solutions. Free estimate today if you give them a call, 865-524-5888. And you can visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, to uh, subscribe to VolQuest on the YouTube channel. And if you are listening and you're not a member of VolQuest, go ahead and do it right now. Incredible rates and uh, the best Tennessee information out there, team news, football, basketball, baseball, most importantly, recruiting, the best recruiting news from AP and Matt that you can get. You're not going to find it anywhere else. That is at VolQuest.com. Appreciate you guys for being here. For Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, Matt Ray, I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.